Drive the Culture Forward. This is Hype Beast Radio. I'm Benjamin Rosen. I'm joined here today by Willie Chavaria. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Did it's I pronounce your name right? You actually did a very good job of that. That's the white people pronunciation of my name, but it's perfect. It uh, works. Yeah, it totally works. Chavaria is the white people pronunciation. Chavaria is the Latin pronunciation. Chavaria is the Japanese pronunciation. And I think that's about it. What about the Danish pronunciation? Is that the white person pronunciation? That one is like, uh, how do you pronounce that? <laughs> do people just call you Willie out there? Yeah, for pretty short? much it's Willie there. Oh, excellent. So congratulations on the latest collection. It's been Thanks. a real splash. We yeah. wanted to kind of like, like well, we're going to start there. Because that's the most recent thing, obviously, a couple days ago. So for people that might not have been able to look at the photos or people that are tuning in at home, could you give a brief description of what you were going for, what the setting was, and what the uh, themes were yeah, throughout? Yes, sir. Um, it, this collection was coming off of the last collection, which showed in February uh, last season. That was uh, fall. And at that time, we were just coming off of the election results here in the U.S. So during the time of that design, there was a lot of emphasis on resistance. So in the designing of that collection, I wanted to incorporate elements from the black power movement, the brown power movement, um, things that I had been familiar with growing up and with all of the angst and frustration that so many people were feeling in the country, um, racial, gender, so many different forms of uh, just not feeling good um, I wanted to create this show of resistance so that collection was very much about strong loud serious aggression in a way um, and then as things have evolved in designing this next collection I really wanted to have a feeling of romance something of positivity and more of a, a story of unity mm -hmm. So um, in this collection, I wanted to, to show the beauty of what happens when two cultures or subcultures clashing uh, can actually come together in a, in a beautiful light. So in this situation, I used the Chicano lowrider culture, which is um, also an influence in a lot of my silhouettes and design. And then I also use like the New York leather scene culture um, almost from a vintage perspective but those are two kind of clashing cultures i thought would be beautiful to put together so those are the two i used to design the collection and then um to show the collection we did it at the eagle leather bar in a legendary spot the in legendary iconic leather spot um and we kind of like we had lowriders parked out front there's a there's a lowrider gang here in the bronx actually so they came down and like represented with their lowriders and it gave the audience uh kind of a personal feeling to be involved in both of those elements to really feel the inspiration of the collection and and the contents of the collection themselves like you have a lot of kind of you were saying like cultural clash is something that you've been working with throughout your career i think and uh a lot of the images like you have the the shirt with like the crucifix on it that says how am i going to tell mom and dad were you yeah, playing on yeah. these ideas of like hot button issues or was it tough conversations that people have to have what was sort of the inspiration for a lot of the graphics yeah it, well actually that that phrase how can i tell my mom and dad it's kind of like uh almost a cliche like cholo graphic that you'll mm -hmm. see like on old um cholo tees from like the 70s like kind of you know, smile now, cry later, right. that kind of thing. So um, I thought it would be cool to have that 
in relation to like these two double entendre things like you know how can i tell my mom and dad i'm in some sort of gang how can i tell my mom and dad i'm involved in like a gay leather scene or something like that i thought it was kind of cool and then the other graphics you saw were part of a collaboration i'm doing with artist brian calvin right i wanted to speak about that as well and then that involved a lot of like vices right is that yeah, sort of the yeah, theme yeah. there yeah, Brian, um, Brian and I grew up as childhood friends in Visalia, California, which is a kind of smaller conservative town. It's near Fresno. Um, it's away from like the larger cities, but it has a lot of gang violence and a lot of there's a lot of bleakness to it, actually. Larry Clark um, had a has one of his movies set in, in Visalia. Oh, wow. Um, but. Brian and I both are similar in that we've always kind of felt like artists and we feel like we gained a lot from that environment as we grew and grew up and grew into our own art. So um, we wanted to take elements that were uh, kind of basic mundane vice elements and use those as a messaging platform. So the garments in the show, Brian actually painted on. Um, I designed the garments and then together we worked on what he would paint. And he painted on those garments, which will will feature in a gallery setting at some point, but they'll be re reproduced for um, people to wear uh, as prints and not painted. Wow, that's awesome! And and one of the things that I also wanted to talk about is that you describe yourself more as like a visual artist of sorts, right? Do you also see yourself as like an activist? Because a lot of your collections have been, like you said, like you work with the politics of the time in a way. I think. Um, yeah, it's funny you say that. I, I've never really thought of it as activism until uh, recently with um, so much going on uh, politically that is of discord. Um, it's almost like I think a lot of us feel an innate requirement to take a stand on issues. So I'm not involved in politics and I'm not uh, in medicine. So I do want to do things that are positive for the world. And because fashion is my platform, I like to use that as the way I convey messages of unity, equality, that kind of thing. Yeah, and you also, have, even in the details, like over on the pants, it says, like, what, capitalism is... is capitalism is heartless. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like... it really is. Yeah, <laughs> it's all about, like, I mean, you find subtle ways of doing it. I mean, and your collection a couple, uh, collection, uh, a couple seasons ago, you had, like, models literally in cages, and they were all models of color. So it's kind of like you are addressing these issues, right, like, throughout... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it comes kind of naturally, just uh, given my background and the things I've always been interested in. I've always felt a need to kind of take a stand on on um, making people who were not spoken for uh, feel empowered and giving light to issues that maybe aren't really discussed, that kind right. of thing. And, and to speak on your background a little bit more, like, you said Visalia, California, and you're relatively new to design as well, right? Like you've been doing this for a couple of years. Um, you know, actually, somebody wrote that recently, yeah. but it's totally not true. I've been designing for like over 30 years. Oh, wow. Okay. So you know, I'm a spring check. chicken. Yeah. yeah. Fact check on that. Um, no, I actually, um, I started designing like back in the 80s, actually. Mm -hmm. That's how old I am. Um, I started working for Joe Boxer working with Nicholas Graham when that brand was first starting before it went kind of like mainstream. Right. And um, it was back in the days when people were like smoking in the office. We were like smoking at our computers, working. It was crazy. But um, that is when I really kind of 
latched on to fashion as a way of expression. So I got that from Nicholas Graham. Very appreciative of that. And from there, I um, just went on to eventually work for a cycling apparel company in California called mm -hmm. Volet that started working with Ralph Lauren when Ralph Lauren launched the RLX line. Mm -hmm. And um, I started doing that for Ralph Lauren, and then they snatched me and brought me to New York, and that's when it all started. And and how long have you been in this location for on Sullivan um, Street? So this store we opened, Dustin, when? 2010. 2010. I always forget. It seems like such a long time, but Dustin knows everything. Um, and we opened it as a different store. It was Palmer Trading Company. Right. And we sold a lot of vintage because I was working for... Um, I was working for corporations that required me to do a lot of vintage shopping, which right. I love. So um, I had a lot of vintage. So we were selling vintage and like a lot of American stuff like uh, club chairs and furniture. And it was a great business. It was fantastic. But um, I always knew I wanted to keep it evolving. Mm -hmm. Never wanted to be stagnant. So um, st one day we just kind of launched our own line. I was like, let's do this. And we actually did it for a Japanese store. And that was the first time I did my own label. Mm -hmm. I was uh, five seasons ago. We're on our fifth season now. And it, it performed really well in Japan. So we were happy with that. And I said, you know, let's just keep this going. Until one day, I actually came in here about a year ago and was like, you know, all, all we really have to do is change the name At in the, the window. <laughs> and we're a different store. So we took down Palmer Trading. We put up Willie Chavaria. And um, since then, that's... I mean, I, I literally <laughs> used to live around the corner, so I, I remember when this was Palmer you Trading. You came to Palmer Trading? Yeah, I, I used to live right there on King and, and Sixth, like oh, okay. literally one block away. So, I mean, I, I that's why I wanted to know. It was dark, and we had a ton of merchandise in here. Yeah, and, and it was like you used to have the uh, it was like the vintage Coke spoons from the 70s and stuff that yeah, used to be here. Yeah, man, with a lot of really cool vintage stuff, that's for sure. And then we'd, do, we'd, we'd carry other brands at that time. <laughs> so... Slowly, as we've evolved, um, we kind of weaned off the other brands unless it's a collaboration. So now we do a lot of collabs, a lot of stuff with artists, especially. Who have been some of the latest collabs that you've been working on, apart from the... Apart from Brian Calvin. Yeah, yeah um, there's another artist, Felipe Merida, who is an incredible illustrator. He does, he does his art in collections that are, are really tight. So he did one that was all um, Hasidic Jews in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And it was all black and white, except for the flash of blue that you'd see in like their grocery bags, you know, you get wow. from the bodega. Yeah. And um, he did another one that was like American Indians in the north of this continent. Um, and then we d actually did a really cool T-shirt together that was like a take on Brooklyn. It's called the sellout tee. And it was all like the favorite Brooklyn spots that people go to like IHOP, Marshalls, mm -hmm. Dress for Less, all that kind of stuff looked really cool. Nice. And and you also, I remember there was a really cool photo series on your blog, The Americans, the one where it was like the people that worked in, in New York City kitchens. Yeah, I love that. Could, yeah, love could that. you speak on that one a bit? Because that was a really interesting kind yeah. of photo series. Yeah, I do a lot of work with a photographer, Carlos Jaramillo, and he's a documentary photographer, and he's Chicano. He's from Texas, um, but he doesn't really do fashion except for with me because our, our vision is a little bit the same. Mm -hmm. So um, in that case, um, I was designing workwear. 
and it was like fashion workwear. So I wanted to highlight all of the people that work in the kitchens of like luxury restaurants here in New York. So we got these guys that looked amazing, gave them clothes to wear, and we shot it all in the kitchens. Wow. Yeah, it looked great. Yeah, and I mean, and, and you kind of in doing that like throughout like like i think we've been talking about this over and over is that you've really embraced the fact that like immigrants really are kind of like the heart blood for a lot of these kind of these communities and stuff and they don't really get the shine that yeah. they should be getting yeah i think you know in, in in the fashion industry for so long you know up until a few years ago we've seen mostly the same kind of people on the runways and the same kind of people in campaigns and it's beautiful that things are changing you know, there's there's definitely you're seeing a lot more people of color on the runways and in advertising. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the market is changing. So these larger companies and corporations are realizing they have to, uh, you know, adapt so that they can actually make sales. But um, for me, I just think it's great to highlight the real people that make this country up. That's that's the most beautiful part of this country is this culmination of cultures and colors and genders and and ideas so that's always at the forefront of what we do and what about behind the scenes have you seen like a shift in demographics like behind the scenes or is it still kind of you know is there a whitewash the higher you go up or how is is that moving in the right direction yeah you you know i think for the 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 higher you go up the larger the the network of corporation you're working with or whatever there's there's still a lot of struggle there um a lot more so than you see like in front of the camera for sure but i also think that is changing you know we've got um models of color i mean uh designers of color that are surfacing to the top and um i think i think there's more opportunity for people in a lot of ways and people of color or um people of oppressed backgrounds are have a fire under them that's driving them forward a little bit more and, and what's been the biggest challenge in preparation for this presentation in particular? Like you said, you had a lot of moving pieces. You had a lowrider gang from the Bronx. You had a, a, a gay bar in Chelsea. Yeah, it seems man. like you had a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, this was crazy. I, I, I mean, we look at each other sometimes. Can't believe we pulled it off because we are still pretty small guys. You know, it's like everyone that works on this brand is in the room. So and got, for got the record, there 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 are at most six people, I believe, with the brand in here. I right? think we're five total, right? Five total. <laughs> it's a yeah. local small business. Yeah, we're not a whole lot, so we didn't really have uh, a lot of uh, manpower to put this shit together. But we pulled it off, you know, all all hands on deck, and we we pulled through, and it came out pretty beautiful. The day of, we were shooting a lookbook, a video, uh, a rehearsal the runway because you got to get that to press you know right after the the show dressing the models models not showing up you know it's like craziness and we all all held it down so congratulations to my crew yeah i mean it's it's always mayhem it's like a last minute mad dash i feel like like no matter how much prep you guys do yeah it's crazy the the day uh, i mean i came by here to try and scout out to see what the location was and i think i came like the day before the collection was coming out yeah it was a mess i I mean it was like i didn't want to disturb because it was literally it was like the like that scene from like cinderella where the mice are like making the dresses yeah yeah it's it's exactly steamer in there like (laughs) me and and my wicked stepsisters over there yeah like and it's like this is a (laughs) this is like a very like it's 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 a small space in the way that like it's local it's a small business so it's like i don't want to 
walk in here and knock over the entire spring summer 2018 collection. yeah 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 you probably could have done that too because we were on edge that day you know we could have missed a beat that day in preparation yeah. for the next day but um yeah we pulled it together i mean this this space that we're in right now is not just a store it's like our showroom our distribution center our um sample room it's it's everything to us so it's headquarters it is the it is the headquarters yeah it's our office our design studio so it all happens here and and speaking of headquarters and stuff what made you guys uh open up a location in in denmark and and do stuff over there because that seems like such a yeah. you're, you're a menswear designer by way of san francisco and new york i know it's weird it's weird well we don't actually have a headquarters in denmark other than like me and my office over there mm -hmm. which is a room in my apartment oh so so it's really um a couple of years ago i had been thinking about living outside of the states because as i'm getting older i'm like you know i, just, I don't want to live in the states my whole life i got to try europe or something so I kind of put it out there, ended up moving to Denmark for the beautiful environment, the food, the architecture, the weather during the spring is awesome, and the work-life balance. So it's the opposite of New York in that here we're like 24-7, you know, especially when I have my own business, it just doesn't stop. Um, over there, there's a real understanding of you pace yourself, you know, you enjoy the beauty you cook a meal and it's healthy. It's um, it's a nice place. So I ended up going out there. So it, it's nice that I can come here, get all my fuel fueled up from New York and then get to Copenhagen um, and really take time to design so I can bust out a season in like a month, you know, just like not taking phone calls. Seclude yourself, basically. Yeah. Cut yourself off from the, the yeah. other demands of being here. Yeah. And it's a nice uh, time zone. Because it's right in between New York and Tokyo. So my mornings are spent with Tokyo. And then I get a little break during the day. And then when New York wake up, wakes up, it's about 3.30, 4 o'clock in Copenhagen. So Dustin starts hitting me with emails. And I'm... And you're just in, in the room too. in the apartment just kind of handling everything from a distance, more yeah. or less. Yeah. Wow. It's and awesome. how, how long or how much time do you spend in Denmark? like per year is it like a couple months are you there like once a month what is it um it's it's like six months a year i'd say it's a lot of back and forth but it averages out to be half and half wow. i'd say yeah it's cool you should come out and visit i've i've never been i i've been reading about the uh this like the there's like this thing in scandinavian culture called like hygge or whatever it is it's like h-y-g-g-e hug hug is that hug and it's literally this concept that you have to be comfy hug I think it's called hug. <laughs> yeah, no, it's exactly that. They is that, is Well, they say that there's no translation for it, but it means cozy. Yeah. So it's it's actually, I mean, these guys, the Danish, have design on lockdown. They have got lighting, food, architecture, furniture, fashion. It's all like doesn't skip a beat. It's beautiful. So there are a lot of dark hours during the winter like there's very little sunlight so that's where that hood comes from it's um a way of making an environment super nice and it feels really good so every restaurant or someone's apartment you go into over there just feels really nice is there like an example like is it like 
the temperature of it? What is it? Everything's just like a blanket? What, is, what do they like do? A co- okay, here's an example. It's like you've been cold and miserable all your life, and then suddenly somebody puts a big warm blanket around you and hands you a cup of warm tea. That's how it feels. And then the way it looks is like a combination of perfect lighting, uh, perfect furniture, perfect, uh, perfect environment. Yeah, it's cool. That's like a really cool, like that's a cultural aesthetic. Like they just all happen to have like this understanding that it's like, no, that we're going to make sure that during this really dreary winter that we have, that everybody is going to be at least somewhat comfortable. Yeah, I think I think that's where it gets its start. Was that part yeah. of the appeal for you? Was that you would like go over there and you're like, man, they know how to live out here, like compared to New York? Or? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's I mean, it's um, kind of like white people utopia, I will say, because it's all blonde and blue eyed and um everybody's beautiful it's just the way they are and everybody's on a bicycle and everybody's smoking and they have like beautiful organic groceries in the basket of their bicycle and they're going home to their apartments that are like well maintained and they all have free health care and <laughs> they pay high taxes but you know those little um those brown things you see on the sidewalk from gum yeah that we have all over new york yeah they don't even have those there no one would dream of spitting their gum out on the street. It's kind of like that. Yeah. All right. Enough about that. Yeah. I was going to say, I was like, no, no, we're going to end up moving to Scandinavia now. Like, <laughs> I'm surprised more New Yorkers don't go out there or more Americans. Because it's I'm about nice. to now. Like just from the concept of like, oh, it's like getting handed warm, hot cocoa at the end of the day is like a very normal thing. Yeah. There. And the cocoa is organic. You know, <laughs> it's all good things over there. Yeah, that's, it really. That's is. excellent. And then um, some of the other things. Like what? What do you have? What are you looking forward to in the following uh, following uh, seasons coming up? What have we got to look forward to? You know, it's it's funny. I, I as soon as the last walk of the model is done on this last runway, it's like my ideas are pouring in for what the next collection is going to be about. So I think it's going to be a surprise can't really talk about it yet <laughs> but it's gonna be nice yeah. it's gonna be nice that's awesome and and i mean you know if, if there is anything that you could impart usually we like to try and include something where it's like if there was an aspiring designer an aspiring visual artist or someone that's looking to this as an example do you have any advice that you would give to like say like a, a 17 year old version of yourself that, yeah. that would help you get to where you are now yeah you know what i would say i would say work your ass off and stay focused that is the most, that's the best advice you could get because we live in a day and age right now where things are so fast and so many young people are expecting things to happen quickly. And um, there's this, this notion of instant reward. And it just doesn't happen that way. You know, it's very important to um, learn from experience. So um, I think it's good to just work, work, work. Working for another brand is always great to gain experience. Um, but, yeah, just bust your balls and stay dedicated. That's the advice. Would you say that you like your time spent with like Joe Boxer and RLX and stuff like that? Was that like your apprenticeship? Was that like your, uh, you were learning kind of like in, in the trenches? Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I went to school and I, I went to art school, but um, it was during a time when uh, the Internet was being launched basically so things changed so rapidly that when i got out of school i was kind of standing there with like a pair of scissors and uh you know rapidograph pencil and i was like wait a minute i need to learn illustrator and and all this stuff 
So um, for me, school was great because I, you know, there's a lot you learn in school. But I really got most of my experience from hands-on working and learning from the other people that I was working with. Like Ralph Lauren personally or Nick Graham personally or any of the people that were like um, mentors to me, basically. Wow. Do you have any, is there a cool Ralph Lauren story that you can share? Is that, what was working with? I mean, those guys, yeah, yeah. They they snatched me up when I was just kind of like a little hillbilly kid living out in California working for that uh, cycling apparel company. So when I got to New York, I was like, oh my God, where the heck am I? This is crazy. And I was in a big like corporate office in New York and everybody was beautiful and blonde and all the girls like didn't eat and they had on like head to toe fancy clothes. I felt so crazy. And with one of my first paychecks, I actually went and bought a pair of Gucci loafers so I could fit in and I could be like, you know, cool looking. And so for my first Ralph meeting, they're called Ralph meetings and everyone sweats them big time before they start. I had on my Gucci loafers and my pencil and I was all ready. And then the meeting, um, we were all waiting for Ralph to come in and then somebody whispered to somebody and they whispered to somebody else and then they came over to me and said um, I had to leave because I was wearing Gucci loafers and not Ralph Lauren and my heart broke (laughs) they literally quietly were just they told you you couldn't be in there Well, you had to wear Ralph to a Ralph meeting wow you You couldn't wear another brand but um, other than that you know I got a lot of good experience there really loved it that's awesome. I didn't. I'm sure people would love to hear that. There's a thing called like to pe- they call them Ralph meetings. It's they like call the them Ralph meetings, and people cry. Women have breakdowns. Men like don't shower for days. They go to the gym across the street to shower in preparation for a Ralph meeting. And then he would come in and dart over to like a picture on the wall and take it off the wall, and then hand it to like whoever was in charge of the meeting, and then leave. They were, like they were high cryptic. impact. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's not a picture. He's not really in that picture anymore. So I don't know what's going on over there now. But, but back in the days, it was like kind of like eccentric. It was, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, oh, was, wow. it was intense. Yeah. I feel like people need to hear more of the insider, like the, the weirdness of the oh, fashion Oh, God. Industry. There's plenty of it. There's plenty of it that can't be spoken of. That's for sure. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the part that's most frustrating is that it kind of gets kept behind closed doors. But even yeah. like a concept of like your CEO will come in take a painting off a wall and then that was it and yeah. that was that was yeah. this week's he had other things on his mind i think yeah <laughs> bigger bigger more important things yeah definitely oh man that's well thank you so much for sitting down with us and sharing some of these stories Thanks sharing your time me. thank you for having us in here yeah. really man congratulations on the collection thank it's been you really, thank it's you it's been a pleasure. awesome to watch all right all right thank you